Hey, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 10. We made it to double digits. So excited to get to be with you. Uh, I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to tell you how it's really easy to keep, keep a Facebook distance with other people. Hey, and I'm Jason. I'm the pastor of small groups here. And today, in just a few minutes, we're going to tackle the enormity of God's love, yep. right? It only takes a lifetime to figure out, but we're going to do it in a few minutes. Yeah, just in a few minutes. All that and more in this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Hey, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 10. Uh, big double, double digits. digits huh? Yeah, no going back at this oh, point. Man, you know? This is good. So uh, we're in week three of our Real Love, Real Life. Is that the right way or is it Real, real Life, Real, real love? love? I think it's Real Life, idea. Real Love. I was preaching this weekend and I was saying it and I was like, I don't know if I'm getting <laughs> these out of order or not. Point is, real life and real love. And the title of our sermon is Real Love as well. Yes, so, so that, that yeah. added to some confusion yeah, as yeah. well. So you That's were good. preaching at the Hesperia campus. I was, was. And you were at Apple Valley, I believe, right? I was at Apple Valley. I also did online. online. So we were hanging out this weekend, preaching on First uh, John 2, 7 through 11, looking at loving fellow brothers and sisters. What would you say was the most difficult thing about preparing for this message? What were some kind of hurdles? Well, first off, let me set some background real quick, yeah. because I think it's important for people to know that, um, that when we do a live weekend like this, mm-hmm. we all, I mean, this is a week's process, right? I mean, yeah. we, we meet together for a few weeks and talk through it and... Yeah come up with a common outline so at all four campuses we're all uh, going talking, a similar direction similar at direction, least sure. yeah yeah and we all have our own personality we put into it and things like that yeah. but but as far as the the theology of it the the, the big picture stuff like we yeah. spend a lot of time talking through Grinding that together that out ahead of time uh, as a group uh, which i think you know for me is great because yeah it's it's I've grown so much in my understanding of God's word through that. Yeah. So I'm so grateful for it. So by Such the time a fun process to go through. But by know? the time we get to Sunday mornings or to to, to the weekends, um, there's like 27 hours worth of material like in our head at that yeah. point. You know that we need to put down to. Yeah. Narrow it down. 35 minutes or yeah. so. Yep. And so. Uh, ish. Ish. <laughs> so you know. So it, there, there's always a lot more, yeah. a lot more to talk about. But. Yeah, yeah. So what, what did you feel like were maybe some things that were like, um, as you're coming to the passage, you're mm-hmm. saying, hey, these are some, these are some things that I'm gonna have to give a little bit of extra study to, or things I'm gonna have to help people yeah. kind of see where John's coming from in these, in these different areas of the text. Sure. Well, we had the big one this weekend. I mean, it, God's love, and this, this, this big concept of God's love, right? Yeah. That, that probably is, it goes beyond what our mortal minds can can wrap yeah. themselves around. Um, and uh, I know for me that I spent a lot of time reading what other people had to say about God's love mm. and and uh, trying to wrap my mind around it, you know, so we yeah, talk about... how do we put it into context, yeah. you know, so that we can at least kind of grab it a little bit. So we talk about concepts like grace or mercy... And we're like, well, yeah, that flows out of God's love, right? But what if we start talking about things like God's wrath? Mm. You know, if God is love, then that means that everything that flows out of God comes from love, right? Or is love if it flows from God. So how does God's wrath uh, done in love? Yeah. And and certainly, you know, there's, there's, you know, 
there's an answer to that. There's, yeah. It's not that it's an unanswerable question. Yeah. Uh, because he desires all men to come to know him, and so even his wrath is a is a is a method is a is a, a strategy, if you will, that he uses in order to draw people into him. Right. Yeah. And, and so, and I think we've seen that in, in you know people in my own life that that I've seen that that happen with is. You know, we use the term rock bottom, you know, mm. like, are they hitting rock bottom yet? And yeah. Sometimes things have to go really bad before people are willing to... You can almost see that God-sized hole in your life when you hit rock bottom. Absolutely. You know, with that desperate need that you have for him. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things about dealing with, you know, drug addicts and alcoholics and, and that type of a ministry mm. is that there's no... Um, there's no pretending that they have it all figured out, but at that point, yeah. they 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 know that there's a need. Con- there's a huge need, right? Yeah. And that that they can't fill it on their own. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, even looking at that, you know, we referenced it, even though we'll get to it later in the series. But that John four passage, mm-hmm. uh, where what I loved, I was kind of talking about how you know, there's this weird thing where John's like, this is an old command, but it's also a new command. Mm -hmm. And you're like, why are you saying it's both old and new? But he's, you know, really, we were talking a lot about how he's really talking more about the quality of the command, Mm -hmm. like something vintage almost being made refreshed. And then that vintage refreshed idea of God's love becomes so clear for John in John 4, where he just says, God is love. Like so plain, so simple, so clear for him. And uh, I think one of the, like you're talking about, one of those hurdles that we kind of have to jump over is not that we let our experience of love define who God is, but we let our experience of God define what love is. Amen. So, because I think that when we see God as love, we're like, okay, so then whatever feels like love is God. And it's like, no, whatever is God is love, you know? So I think that we get that backwards sometimes, you know? We turn it, love is God. You know, and, and I mean, what you just said is so countercultural, mm. right? Because because it, our, our feelings are kind of the ultimate truth, if you will. You know, and certainly I don't believe that. Yeah, but that's kind of what's popular in our society today. Yeah. And you know, each of us have our own truth, and each of us, you know, can proclaim our own truth, and all of these other things. But Scripture's really clear, and you know, this is a great uh, idea of that. What God defines, no, no, that's not even right. What flows from God mm. is truth, mm. is love, right? Yeah. And whether it feels like it to us or not, Doesn't it might change feel it. harsh or it might feel exclusive or it might feel um, that it goes against our cultural norms or, or what yeah. we're comfortable with. Uh, but it's up to us to conform to that truth, to mm. that reality, to that love other than trying to redefine it and reshape it in what feels comfortable to us. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. What would you say is something that as you're, you know, there's lots of hurdles to jump over in this passage, but what were some things that stood out that were maybe exciting in your study, but then they didn't end up making the cut for the message? Because people probably don't know that most of the time when we're studying, we're we're finding all these cool things that we're like, ooh, this is speaking to me and this is speaking to me. But then we got to, you know, narrow it down so it really flows cohesively. So a lot of stuff gets cut. What were some of those things? Absolutely. You know, I, I think, you know, we... We, we had to stay true to, to the passage that we had, right? Yeah. And uh, the passage was, was speaking to the brethren is, mm-hmm. is you know, the, the term that was used there uh, that, that I think in the NIV was translated dear friends, right? Or, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, brother and sister. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it, was, it was really defined as, as talking to the people of the church. And I think we would have mm. been 
dishonest if we tried to to take it past that yeah. and try to apply it to people outside of the church because John is really speaking to the believer, right? And yeah. so our the command for us to love one another is about about us as brothers and sisters in Christ uh, loving each other, right? Living that, in a loving way with one another. That being yeah. a, a, a light or a, uh, yeah, you know, he uses that terminology in there uh, to the world around us. Yeah. But it, but it's not about how we love people outside the church, but it's about how we interact with each other, how we mm. love each other, and we show uh, preference for each other within the church. Yeah. So it kind of had to stay restricted in that zone as we're really putting it into its context and saying, no, it's this is talking about within the church. And John's going to get to outside of the church later <laughs> in the letter, but here we're really looking at inside the church. I think it's, it's you know, and it, it, I'll speak for myself, I think it's, it's my... Uh, tendency far too often to start pointing fingers outside of the church yeah. and saying they mm-hmm. do that when John really starts with let's examine ourselves first let's start get it right here. here before we start pointing fingers anywhere else and, yeah and sometimes our, our tendency to start pointing fingers outside the church they've got it all wrong they they they've misinterpreted love they've you know done all of this and yeah. it is really a distraction from us about getting it right. Jesus makes it very clear, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Right? Not by your knowledge or your theology or your doctrine, but or by your the ability way you to love argue people into the kingdom yeah. or your, you know, whatever else it is, right? But it, it's it's how you guys act in community, how mm. you guys love each other that's going to that's going to uh, uh, that's going to mark you as mine yeah right? yeah and and we can look at throughout history and that's always been the case mm. you look at, at at early christianity and well the 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 roman elite were, were fleeing rome in order to get away from a pandemic really is what was going on during that time an illness that was spreading the christians were flooding in mm. to take care of the sick to take care of the those that that the rest of the world was fleeing and Christianity took off because of that, because yeah. they were taking care of these orphans and these widows, and and uh, they they were they were just doing what the Bible told them to do, because they were seeing a real love on display. Absolutely, yeah. And and most historians will point back to to that, or even even in medieval times, as as the church took care of those that were that were hit by the plague and other things like that, and uh, and it was it was this characterized of this community of love that was so so radical in the way they loved people mm. that that the rest of the world was attracted to. Right? Yeah. And now we come fast forward to our time here today, and you know we maybe. Maybe we have this tendency to, to pull back. Yeah. Where where in the past this this radical love that, that Christ showed for us was to propel us to push into these difficult moments. Mm. You know? So And it's easy to say they don't understand love. Correct. All the while when we actually look at this text, do we understand love? Do we even get it as yeah. believers, right? Like it's so easy to point the finger all the while missing the fact that we don't hey, get it. I got plenty to examine in my own yeah. heart before I start trying to figure out what's going on in other people's hearts. Yeah. Right? And, and if, if, if we as a church could, could internalize that and wrestle with that, I think the outcome of what we would be as a community 
Let it really examine us instead of saying, oh, this person should have heard this message or whatever. I got to send this message to these people because they don't get it. Like, no, 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 I don't get it. There's Mm -hmm. plenty of places in my life that I don't get it. And I kind of, what I did at at Apple Valley and online is I kind of defined this concept of love and hate because I think hate sounds like such an aggressive word that when we hear that, it's like, well, maybe I don't. If, first of all, I probably think as a believer, I just love everybody, right? I don't yeah. wish ill will to anyone, right? So I'm not even thinking that I'm anything but loving to anybody. Uh, but then when you say hate, it's like, well, I'm definitely going to fall in the love category because hate just sounds aggressive, right? Like I don't hate anybody. And the hard know? part about John is that there's no in between, yeah, right? Yeah, it's one or the he other. Doesn't <laughs> give, he doesn't give any in between. And so really the way that I framed it so that maybe we could start to see it a little bit in our own life is, you know, that, and this is something that we had talked about in the week leading up is that love is really closing gaps and hate is creating distance. So are we closing gaps or are we creating distance? Because that's how we come to be able to assess whether we're living in love or hate. And I don't think that one person is going to categorically love or hate all believers. I think it's more about uh, there shouldn't be any hate. There shouldn't be any uh, attempt to create distance with anybody in the body of Christ. And so as we look at that, like, man, how do I avoid creating distance with brothers and sisters in Christ? What are some on tangible takeaways? What are some practical things that we can do and start to implement? So that Isn't we that true start in, to close in distance? any relationship we have? Yeah. I mean, uh, marriages, I mean, if, if, if there's a wedge that's being driven between a husband and a wife, yeah. Um, I mean, my dad and I talked about that on this show when he did his message on adultery Mm -hmm. here a few weeks back, where we were talking about how marriage is kind of like an escalator. Mm -hmm. You're either moving closer or further. There's not really any neutral spot. You know, it's you're moving one way or the other. And to ignore a wedge that's being driven between a husband and wife doesn't take care of the wedge, right? It, It usually just drives it further and creates more division between that. The same could be true of of children and parents, right? I mean, um, if if there's a wedge that's being driven between them, whether Mm. it be rebellion or whether it be, um, you know, unforgiveness or whatever Mm. it might be, uh, ignoring it doesn't help it, right? I yeah. mean, it doesn't doesn't make it go away. Yeah. Uh, it, the only only thing that makes it go away is is confronting it. Got to address and, it. And seeking that oneness again, that coming together yeah. of of that relationship again. Yeah. Um, but it, I think it's true of any relationship we have. Friendships, uh, certainly in the church, we've seen it time and again. And, yeah. And you know, to be honest, people have been burnt by church experiences. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a small groups guy here. No one, no one believes in small groups more than I do. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. But the reason why I think God uses small groups to grow people is because of the uncomfortable, or it's it's through the uncomfortable experiences that we go through in small groups yeah. that helps us to grow when we have to confront those wedges that come between us and we have to When there's almost them. always one or two people in your small group that you're like, oh, I wish they weren't in my small group. And that's really putting a work on us by the spirit to say like, no, 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 we're moving towards those people. Absolutely. We have no, we have no precedent to move away from them, but we're closing distance in that relationship. And unfortunately, other than dealing with it, too many people have decided, well, groups just aren't for me, mm. you know, or, or I need to go find another group and mm. they kind of jump around from group to group other than doing the hard work that's necessary that brings growth yeah. uh, in our lives by confronting those things. And yeah. So, um, you know, I, there's probably 
instances when changing groups is a good idea. So I'm not even making a yeah. dogmatic statement that you should yeah. never do that. Um, That's even just a great practical thing, though, is we're heading towards the fall here in a little bit. Small groups are going to be spinning back up. Man, what a great way to get into practice of actually moving towards fellow believers is to be in small groups. Because inevitably, the better you get to know those people, there's going to be a few people in that group who rub you the wrong way. And if there wasn't, small groups isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing, right? Like that's that's what it's there for. And so that's a great, just tangible way to start moving towards some people that we might be prone to just... It, out of our own comfort to move away from. Absolutely. I think as, as and, John's... And the Bible goes even a step further, and it's not just this this ideal, this, you know, I love this, you know, kind of out there ideal that we all kind of agree with, but none of us really know what it is. Well, the, the Bible puts tangible holds onto what mm. those are, you know, and it talks over and over again about the one another's, about confessing our sins to one another, about bearing one another's burdens, about yeah. about um, uh, being there for it. It even tells us what not to do, right? Not yeah. to gum, grumble or complain against each other or and all of these things that, that at the end of the day, when we practice and when we do it in community, sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's not easy, sometimes we don't always get along. But at the end of the day, we all grow and we're closer. We reflect Christ more to the world around us mm. when we when we allow that process to to do when we when we practice it. When yeah. we, when we we love in a tangible way like because that. real love is attractive. Real love is compelling versus the fake love that we so often portray where we have so many fellow believers that we're given the side eye and when they come in the room, we turn towards the corner of the room and just act like they're not there and try to not make eye contact to avoid the relationship completely. Real love where we're actually as a body, we continue to move towards each other and bear one another's burdens and step in for one another. Well, that's a, that's a crazy attractive to the world around us, and it actually becomes incredibly missional, incredibly oikocentric. Yeah. So I had said in mind uh, about just a few like practical things. I said the best part is we're talking about fellow believers. So this actually, though you have a greater responsibility to fellow believers, that there is absolutely no right that you have to move away from them. Uh, it it becomes a little bit easier because that person's in Christ. So we have the opportunity to. See them for who they're becoming in Christ and if we stay focused on who they are and we don't ever look to encourage them towards who they're becoming then we're gonna find nothing redeeming about them and praise God that he sees us for who we're becoming in Christ and not only for who we are and then to find something that that you like about that person not something to redeem the whole person but just to find like one thing to say like you know what I think it's really cool that Jason has a flamingo shirt I like the confidence that <laughs> that displays yeah exactly there's something find something to like about them because if you can't then that says more about you than it does about them sure and then just assume the best about them I feel like if you do those three things you can move towards anybody. It's so easy to go through life assuming the worst in everybody else and keeping kind of a social media distance where really I told a story about how uh, I met my wife at camp and uh, the first way that I got exposed to my wife was through Facebook. Mm. And so when I was first looking at her Facebook, a a young guy, there was, there was nothing on her Facebook that was bad or wrong, but I was like, we're not going to be friends, right? (laughs) I was just not interested in the relationship at all going up to camp. And then the closer that I got to Sky, the better I got to know her, I saw there was actually a lot to like about Sky. And so many of us in the body of Christ, though, we have a Facebook distance on people, and we never get any closer. So 
it makes it really easy to assume the worst, to find all the things that we don't like about them, and to only see them for who they are. So uh, hopefully those are some practical takeaways for you as we continue to break down what it looks like to live in real love together. Uh, but that's all we got for this week. We will catch you guys next week on Tangible Takeaways. As always, don't forget to like, uh, comment a tangible takeaway that you have from this weekend's message. Hit the bell. Hit the bell. Subscribe you know. for some more videos to come in the future, and we'll catch you guys next week. Hey, have a great week.